0: Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Hey, welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We invite you into that conversation. This is uh, an exciting episode for me Um we spent quite a bit of time talking about a changed heart. And I think where we ended up, uh, Corey and myself both were studying different parts of the scripture, but we both were looking at a tree. And that tree we found represented uh, the same thing in two different places. And Corey had talked about the vision of Nephi um, and him wanting to know the interpretation of that tree and that it was the the love of God, which was Manifested as him coming down and taking on flesh and blood, Jesus Christ, that he would do that, and I at the same time had also talked about the tree is found in uh, Alma the sixteenth chapter, and that tree was uh, explained that it would fill every need, it would fill every want, everything that every empty part of our soul that we would never hunger and thirst, and that that tree was the that fruit that came from that tree started with a seed, and that seed was God telling us that, um, again, that he would be merciful to us because of the Son, because of Jesus Christ. And so this story of Jesus is found through scriptures and um, throughout all of the scriptures. And as Corey and I have talked over the years, uh, we've come— Actually, we've both come to a, an understanding or a, a thought that maybe some of the things that we've been taught uh, growing up as far as uh, beliefs in our particular religion, um, maybe they've been mis- misrepresented or misunderstood through the years. And uh, I've always wondered about eternal life. And it seems like we took one one story of eternal life that started out with people die and go to heaven or hell and— um, and we thought, well, that's kind of cruel. What if someone's never heard of Jesus? And and then the restoration showed light and shed light on that, that there was a time for teaching and learning after you die in this world. But then that story kind of morphed into this thing that you could be saved but separated from the Father for all of eternity. And I never understood that. If you just think about that, my question is, is that the story found in scriptures?
1: Yeah, that one sounds worse than the original.
0: <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean— yeah. Because we're, we're saying, uh, well, only a few people actually burn in hell, as to use the popular vernacular, and those are the people that are the sons of pernition, and everybody else is saved. But when you dive into that story, you say, well, but those that are saved— uh, really, is just a few people that are with the Father. The rest are either in what we would call this Moon Glory, or this Terrestrial Glory, or um, or a telestial Glory, where you spend time with angels, but you never see the Father or Son. And yeah. I just want to know, Corey, is that the Scriptures? Is that the story that's found
1: throughout the Scriptures? Or uh, it, it, it it isn't. It isn't. And and the the thing is, I think we've just misunderstood it when we've read it. I, I think the Scriptures tell an amazing marvelous aspect of of a time to come but we've kind of read it quickly i guess is maybe just my words for it and we've we've kind of run with it assuming that it's describing eternity and you know if you look at section 76 or whatever i i know we're going to get into that but i but i but i think the fundamental message of scripture becomes that either christ washes away our sin and if we are made clean we can be with him again or if we choose not to have his salvation he offers his mercy we accept our sin and sin becomes eternally embedded in our soul and with that sin we can't return to his presence and that becomes the the crux of this whole message is that you know god prepared a way for us to escape separation from him, to be able to return from him, will we see that and will we turn to it? And, and also will we preach that and teach that in this restored church? That, that is the beautiful message of the Book of Mormon, I believe. Yeah, you said that, and I wrote down this quote from, I
0: think, maybe our last episode. Uh, you said, look, either Jesus is able to wash away all of our sin or we don't come to him and have any of our sins washed away. This is the story this is a story found throughout the Book of Mormon. And so I want us to kind of just look at the scriptures. And like you said, section 76 is the key scripture uh, piece of doctrine that we have that, that we use to show the world we've got more light and truth uh, on what happens after someone dies. But let's, you know, if we get to that today, great. But, but what I want to do is avoid that section for a minute and let's look at, at the story as found throughout scripture. And then let's see if, if we fit that section in uh, appropriately, or or has it been misunderstood or mis misrepresented? Because in my mind, I never could make the correlation, Corey. There was just something that just never fit, and I'm more than happy to to learn. If someone knows better, show me, show me where I'm wrong, because I, I have to be able to trust in my God when I read all of these other things. I don't see there's any room for middle ground, and
1: um, yeah, I, I. I I think everyone in the restoration believes that, you know, in this pre-earthly existence, we dwelled somehow with God, our spirits dwelled with God in, in heaven. Right. And no one seems to contend that point, mm-hmm. um, And which is interesting when you consider that we've sort of been asked to believe that, yeah, but after this world you're going to be segregated into many places where you won't be with God again but we're going to call that salvation mm-hmm. and it's like that the, the loving father who made it a point to take on flesh and blood to pay an infinite debt for us didn't do that just so we could still spend eternity apart from him and and that's that's the point that's that's why the scriptures are so important that we that we highlight these words that say an infinite sacrifice was required, an eternal sacrifice was required, because there is only one in the eternal realm who was infinite and eternal, and that mm. was the Father himself. And so the point of it was he did everything. The, the power of what he offered was so that that eternal separation between us and him would be eternally gone and that we would be fully returned to him. That's the definition of salvation. That's why John says, hey, this is life eternal to know thee, God, in Christ his Son. To know God, there there is no salvation apart from knowing God. And I want
0: us, as we go through this, I want our listeners and, and ourselves included to keep in mind certain words like redeemed and salvation and redemption because I've been told through the years, Corey, by ministers uh, and i 've even been shown in classes this is how you talk to someone from another religion you know if if they come to you and ask you, "Are you saved then you you respond to them and try and try to find common ground in kind of a cutesy sort of way and say well yes i 'm saved but but what are you saved to
1: right right
0: There's and when i when I think about that, I think what a terrible thing if you really think about that to say, well what do you mean what am I saved to you're, what you're doing is you're defining the fact that you could be saved as we find this definition in the scriptures. And yet you can not be with the father
1: right. or and, even with the son. And that's, and that's where I think we've taken a certain specific passage of scripture and, and we've read it quickly, misapplying it. And it, it, it's, it's got truth. It's got wisdom. It's got knowledge. It's, it enlightens us, but we've misapplied it and, mm-hmm. and we've, I think falsely believe that it was describing our condition of eternity and and it's not I don't believe it is but but let's talk about what the scriptures do say, do say yeah. first because you know it's it's important just to lay some groundwork and 2 E 6 in the RLDS version has just a great passage that touches on some of these some of these fundamental aspects and and I think we'll save it for another podcast but just jumping in to the discussion here you know, Nephi and his brother Jacob are, uh, are both writing. It's in the end of Nephi's life. Um, and and they've had this wonderful revelation that all these sacrifices of the Mosaic law that they were keeping in Jerusalem when they lived there and now they live in America, they all point to Jesus. This was the essential thing that was missed by the Israelites. That's why they killed Jesus, ultimately, because they didn't realize it all pointed towards him. Well, we'll save this for another podcast but verse 10 you know it, it's it's beautiful because it, it's just talking about how Jesus is going to be in Jerusalem and then it says it behooveth the great creator that he suffereth himself to become subject unto man in the flesh that all might and die for all men that all men might become subject unto him and so I mean right there that's we're going to we're going to save that because that really asks the question hey well so who is this god and who is this jesus and and we'll we'll get to that I know we will but but just talking about this life after death then that aspect of this so this fact all starts with we were going to be spiritually dead separated from god if the creator didn't step in and so In verse 11, for his death passed on all men to fulfill the merciful plan of the creator. So the the death that we experienced, that first separation, that was part of the plan. There had to be an equivalent power of resurrection. And so this resurrection to come back into his presence was only because of Christ. So again, God wanted to bring us back into his presence, and it had to happen from, from what Christ did. But in verse 14, because man became fallen, we were cut off from the presence of the Lord. So that's that's kind of like why we are here in this world 101. And you, I just wanted to bring that scripture
0: out. You, just, you said God wants to bring us man back into his presence. And we have this scripture that we use all the time. And, and let's just say it that he says his work and his glory is to bring to pass the eternal life and the resurrection of man, right? the eternal immortality the immortality uh, and eternal okay. life of man we we quote that scripture core and then and and probably it's one of those we've heard so many times that we don't think about it but just think about that for a minute i mean our creator i mean you think about the nature of god and everything his work and glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, and you just define eternal life as knowing intimately knowing the Father and the Son, and if that's his working glory, that's just an important part of the story. Then do we? Does the story then say that um, he fails at his working glory, or that? Well, that's he,
1: the, that's the whole point. It's it's if this is his purpose. And he can't succeed in accomplishing that. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, if being with him is the definition of salvation and we've accepted a definition that says, no, well, he'll try real hard, but because of something on our part, we won't make it there. It's like mm-hmm. it, we, we have to realize that the fundamental story is that there was nothing we could have done to remove our own sin. He had to do it and the only way it gets removed is if we come to him with a broken heart and contrite spirit and acknowledge our unworthiness he he can remove the vilest of sin i mean the only one that doesn't get removed is the one where you fully knew him and then said no i want nothing to do with you but he's he's capable and he is almighty and and this is his purpose is to remove the sin because it's not that we didn't want it enough. None of us, none of us in this world know how bad we need it. Know how bad we need eternal life because we've never experienced eternal punishment. Mm. And if we could experience eternal punishment, even a piece of it, we might know how bad we don't want that. But the, and and this is what motivated Alma to be the most prolific writer of the portion of the book of Mormon we have is because for two days and two nights, he said, I was in the most awful hell. Mm. I experienced how bad it was. And so he, he set out into Lamanite territory and the Nephite territory. He didn't care if people threw tomatoes at him because he said, I don't want you to experience this. This is why it was so important that God, capital G God comes down and, the infinite and eternal and pays a price for us unworthy people who don't know how bad it's going to be if we he doesn't do this for for us to be with him and the in the whole thing it's just ludicrous to believe that somehow him doing all that the infinite and eternal one wasn't able to do enough you know and 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 that's that's where we've fallen first in our understanding is that no our Our righteousness, as Isaiah writes, is as filthy rags. There's really not a whole lot more I can do, you know, as Corey Stark versus Mike Barrett, that's going to put us in any different standing when we stand before God. He says he's no respecter of persons. That means when we stand before God, we're going to stand next to presidents and paupers. You know, we're going to stand next to prophets and sinners and, and saints and Satan worshipers and everyone. is all kind of being aligned because we all fall under this category, unworthy creatures. You know, and that's what ultimately judgment becomes is not, well, you, you know, you visited the six, six times, Mike, and I only did mm-hmm. it five times. We, we, we've, we've come up with this idea that, Salvation's classified on things like that.
0: Yeah, because in the scriptures, it's, it's classifying, not to go into 76 too much yet, but it's classifying different people and saying, you know, there's these celestial beings who are strong and valiant or whatever. And we look at him and we say, well, this is this group of people living on this world somewhere who are strong and valiant in testimony. And then we say, well, there's another group of people, you know, that were terrestrial and, and, you know, they did some things that weren't quite as good, but, uh, you know, they didn't deny Jesus or whatever. And so it starts breaking up these categories. And yet the story that we just talked about in the last few episodes is the fact that this tree has this fruit that says you have to partake of this fruit to never hunger and never thirst and have every need met. Right. And that fruit is the pure love of God. And, and, and so there's only one thing to ever complete the reason of you being made and you being created, and it's the fruit of of Jesus Christ and the Father and their love and and your interaction and and your um, just being bonded to them as one being, and they talk about this in the scriptures. And so, on the flip side of that, I've I've had people tell me in this church and ministers tell me that. Um, well, you're, you are saved. You're saved from burning and fire, and you're in the place that you want to be, and it's going to be better than anything you've ever had. And I just don't know how that story, you know, telling telling someone that, well, it's still better than anything you have on this earth, that that isn't. It doesn't jive. That doesn't mean that I'm partaking of the fruit that I'm created to have. There's always going to be this emptiness and this. Um, I don't even see how that even fits together. And so what. As you're going on, I mean, continue
1: on, and where you're at with this. uh, Well, well, you know, to to your point, though, there are some scriptures that when you when you take them, and sometimes they're done without connecting all the dots of scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, there's this word restoration, which is well defined in the Book of Mormon, and uh, Alma does it in like uh, chapter 19 with his son. He he explains well the meaning of the word restoration, what it means, and so you know, based on our desires, well, this where Where we've misapplied it is in section seventy six and and we keep saying in section seventy six we haven't defined it. Hmm. Hang on because there are podcasts coming probably more than you want that we're going to okay. get into every verse of section seventy six to kind of define why we're why we're even talking about it at all. but but the word restoration basically means, hey, if if you wanted Christ, you're going to be restored to that which is good. If you didn't want Christ, you're going to be restored to that. And that's the difference. And that's what restoration means. And it ultimately says it more fully condemns the sinner because um, it isn't like you know, somehow I I lived a perfect life, and that makes me worthy of a perfect place. But if you only got a ninety nine point eight percent on your test, and I got a hundred, well, you you get the the moon glory, the bright side of the moon. You know, it's like we've we've misapplied what restoration means, and we've applied it to that. Well, like I said, we'll get into section seventy six, but but it's good to just lay some of the front the the groundwork, the foundation of. What this book, the Book of Mormon, which was given because plain and precious things were removed from other scripture that we had. So, so let's put this back in perspective first and see what it says. 2 uh, Nephi 6, you know, this God was trying to bring us back. Otherwise, as verse 14 says, you know, we were fallen. We were cut off from the presence of the Lord. So an infinite, you know, without price, atonement had to be made, and without an infinite atonement, corruption, our corruption, couldn't put on incorruption. So if the if the infinite price is being paid, how is there still a debt to pay? I mean, in other words, it's, it's as if, well, if I only made it to some middle glory without God, but it's not hell, was was there not a big enough price paid? You know, we, we act like it comes back to us. Well, you didn't want as much. It, again, none of us know what, None of us know enough to know what it is we want mm-hmm. bad enough. The whole thing is we're, we're believing that there's only one way and, and there's only one God and he wants us back to be with him. So so he continues to say, so this, <clears throat> if there hadn't been an infinite atonement in verse 17, the judgment which came upon man must have remained an endless duration. So, so there it is right there. Our judgment of being cast out of God's presence was going to be endless. So if if you can counter something or fill the void of something that's going to go on forever, you have to do it with something that is infinite and eternal. And that was only God himself. Mm -hmm. That's why the scripture in verse 10 is so important. We understand what it says. It behooveth that God, the, the great creator, suffered himself. To take on flesh and blood and die for us, so that we could be subject to him, so we could be with him. Uh, You know, that's how you pay the infinite price. It takes something of infinite value, and so, um, and if if that makes people feel a little funny, because people have heard, well, is it the one God or the three God? The, The Book of Mormon answers that, and I don't even like to use those terms because those are kind of of men with misunderstandings again. But but just we have to accept that whoever came into the flesh was infinite and eternal because that was the price of our penalty. So coming back to this, right. Okay, yeah. You know, this this judgment, right? <laughs> right,
0: there's only one that could the only one to do it had to be infinite. And exactly. That's okay. the thing. Because
1: we were we were facing an infinite, you know, sentence.
0: That's so Corey, you've said that a hundred times, and I just, I just got it. <laughs> that's why however, I wanted
1: to start with this. However, yeah. you want
0: to define God, however you want to define God or Jesus, you have to agree to this. He says that that, that penalty has to be paid by infinite and eternal. Right. So Christ has to be infinite and eternal. Right.
1: Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and see, that's that's the whole reason why there's really no point in talking about. Um, life after death and what it means if we don't understand, we collectively in the world understand the consequence of our sin it being mm. infinite and eternal. So there was only one way that void could be filled. An infinite void had to be filled with something that was infinite to pay the price. So mm. so that's why, and this is such beautiful scripture in the, in Second Nephi. Again, I, I always say this, but I don't know how a farm boy in the 1800s in New York came up with this um, because it, it just nails it. So so if it hadn't happened, verse 17 says, the first judgment being cast out of God's presence, Adam and Eve and all mankind thereafter, that would have remained and it would have been endless. So all of this flesh, our bodies would have laid down to rot and crumble to its mother earth, rise no more. So death of the body would have been it, right? And death of the spirit would have been eternal with sin Embedded in us, in our soul, but now here's the counter, the verse 19. Oh, the wisdom of God, His mercy and grace. You know, here's here's the antidote coming. For behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must have become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God. Now, right here, and and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to get into a doctrinal contention but if we believe in the inspired version in genesis uh you know 2 and 3 in those chapters you know we we come to find about the fall of man and then we come to find about how lucifer saying hey son me and i'll i'll take care of it and no one will um be lost well for one thing right there satan couldn't have done it because satan wasn't infinite and eternal right and if the penalty requires an infinite payment how does someone who's not infinite and eternal you know mm-hmm. pay that so so one he he couldn't have but but nevertheless we become subject if our spirits would rise no more to someone who was something less than infinite and eternal so in verse 20 for behold if the flesh should rise no more our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal god so so now we're stuck in you know forever with missing out on the eternal payment subject to this lesser being, whoever he was. And so, and they would be subject to the, become uh, subject to the devil to rise no more. Our spirits must have become like him, and we become devils, angels to a devil. Think about that. How does that sound, you know, for your everlasting title? Hey, I'm going to be an angel to the devil. Mm -hmm. To be shut out from the presence of our God, to remain with the father of lies in misery like unto himself. Now, it's important that we remember this, little phrase here about angels and angels to a devil, because later on, uh, it's just a couple of verses ahead. It talks about those who go into this everlasting fire being the angels and the devil. And so one of the things I always thought, well, you know, the scriptures talk about the devil's angels, they being people who rebelled and my, I never realized until I read the book of Mormon though, that, Ultimately, you know, if you aren't with God forever, the scriptures say that's that's ultimately what you become too. You be, you become just like that, subject subject to Satan, just like everything else. And that's we become devils. This is verse twenty one: angels to a devil to be shut out from the presence of God to remain with the father of lies and misery, like unto himself. Jesus wanted to save us from that, okay? Because because he knew he knew what ultimately becomes, and he knew how bad it would be. I, I just listened to something, and I'm probably sure this in a class coming up, but um, I was watching on YouTube a, a man who was in, engaging a woman, and she was challenging him, and this was a Christian minister who was just kind of street preaching, but, but he, she was saying, I can't believe in a God that would send people to hell. You know, you talk and she's saying you, you know, you Christians, mm-hmm. you you talk about God like He's this all-loving, all perfect, you know, all he has is love for creation. But how can he send us to hell? And the answer is, and and that's a common question. It's one of those things like you pointed out earlier. People just sometimes don't want to ask questions. They feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, how is it God could send you to hell? Well, here's the point. He died because he doesn't want us to go to hell, because he knows how bad it is. It's not that we get sent there by him because he's just this fickle kind of person who gives thumbs up or thumbs down to people as they walk by his holy throne. Oh, you go to hell, you come to heaven. It isn't that at all. No, the whole point of salvation is he didn't want us to suffer this eternal death, so he did this as verse 19, oh, the wisdom of God, his grace and mercy. He did the only thing that could be done to prevent us from going there because if we remain unclean, if our sin isn't removed, that's the only place we can go. And and that's the point of salvation is that no, it's not that he's sending us to hell. It's just that you can't enter heaven. There's no way you you would cease to exist. You know, you, your your sinful state can't exist in that perfect realm. So therefore, he intervened in the only one way possible. So if we choose him, we we get to be part of that. So. Sending people to hell isn't like, oh, I'm just mad at you, and I, I said I loved everyone, but I don't really love you, so you go to hell and see, you know, I'm really not this just, merciful, all-loving God. No, his love was defined by his gracious act. This is how much he loved us. He did the only thing possible. Otherwise, we couldn't be with him. No, yet, yeah, and you know... If that
0: lady asked that question, I mean, you could respond and say, you're right, almost every religion in the world, uh, that would make no sense to worship uh, their deity. But but here we worship a deity who, who created us, and then he came down and he suffered and did everything that he's requiring us to do. He did it himself for the fact that he wants us to be saved. And to be honest with you, the end of the story is only – a few small, finite people are going to end up uh, in a place that you would call hell, eternally separated from him, because they continually reject his mercy, they continually reject him reaching out to them until there's nothing left he can do with them. But but, lady, the end of the story is this, that Jesus is mighty to save, and that um, even people that you may think are bad and wicked and and deserve to go to hell, you're going to find out that The Lord saves them and that they change, not just that he saves them, but that he's able to change their wicked heart so that they are the most loving, beautiful creature you've ever seen. And that is a miracle. And that's the miracle of Jesus Christ. And it's not that we're just saved and that we're given a reward. The fact, the miracle is that when he saves us, when we say he saves us, it's not just placing us in this beautiful, eternal home. He saves us by Changing our desires, where I only desire good, I only desire holiness. That's what I need saving from. Right. Uh, right. I, I choose wickedness. Right, right. That, I, that's look, what I t- need to be saved from. That's why I need a savior. Is that is that I, my heart is changed, as we talked about. I need my heart to be changed, and that's why it doesn't make sense to line up a bunch of rewards based on actions, based on what we've done, or based on works. Uh, because we're not we're not being saved from the number of bad things we do. We're being saved from a sinful heart. And so either your heart's changed, or it's, not. it's you, not. You either desire holiness, or you don't. Right. Right. And that's why this street preacher, that's why the fullness of the gospel would have a perfect answer for this lady. Yeah. But a God that that uh, rewards you according to good or bad, you either burn or you don't, based on an
1: action. That doesn't make sense, right? Exactly, and that when you look at it, what you just said is the ultimate: either your heart has changed or it isn't, and that's what the Book of Mormon says consistently. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus tells Nicodemus at night, "Hey, unless you're born again, it doesn't matter." And that "born again" means uh, the heart's changed. If the heart's changed, God says, "I take care of the rest," and mm-hmm. and that's because we couldn't do that either, right? There's nothing we could do, and so He saves us from our carnal, sinful, filthy nature. Um, You know, this is a little bit of an aside, but it is and it isn't. But, you know, I I think we need to spend some time at some point talking about how the end of 1 Nephi chapter 4 talks. uh, It's Nephi's psalm, as as you've beautifully called it. You know, Nephi, here's one of the fundamental foundational authors of these golden plates, the Book of Mormon, and here he's lamenting because of his sin and i i take it right there to realize hey he hasn't said hey i've reached this sinful sinless state in this life now i wish you guys could join me here no he he's talking about how as he's still you know becomes overwhelmed with sin and yet in this moment he 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 does something that has helped me to understand in my own life he he, he controls the only thing he can control and he controls his anger you know and and just jumping into this for just a second I realize that you know you talk about the things that comfort us and the things that uh, are, are the sins that we turn to. When when Alma writes to his the, those with him out on the mission field, it's written he says, "Help us to be comforted in Christ, as if that's the only real comfort there is." Because everything in my life that I do when I'm sinning, I realize is a false comfort. You know, the the things I want to turn to my my lust, my carnal thoughts, my you know my uh-huh. whatever I indulge in. Those are the things that that we comfort ourselves with, and, and he's saying, no, comfort yourselves in Christ. And so what he does, though, is he's, he's surrounded by enemies who are wanting to kill him, and he, he says, why should I be angry because of this? So the first thing he does is he he realizes, okay, this world isn't changing. This fallen life isn't changing. My enemies haven't gone away, but don't let me become angry in this because in my own life I've realized sometimes I take comfort in, in justifying anger because I've felt violated, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that turns me away. And that has a hold. And when Nephi lets go of that, he he doesn't give Satan a way to continue to tempt him. And the only reason I'm sharing this right now, and I, I think we need to come back to this and look at it is that we find ourselves sometimes in sinful cycles because we never release the anger we have about things in this world adequately to where we're comforted only in Christ. And when we, when we don't, do that, and we let anger or frustration continue to kind of well up inside us. That just opens the door to the temptation and the, and the cycle of falling away again. But my point in sharing this is, even Nephi doesn't claim he's living a perfect life here. He just knows who his Savior is, and that he's not going to stay knocked down. You know, he's saying, "Hey, don't droop in sin anymore, oh my soul." And so, so we can learn from that. We can learn from the fact that here Nephi, who we have to assume is going to be one who lays down in the kingdom of God someday. He has finds eternal rest there. He's talking about his own process of sin and the cycle of sin. And so we we have to realize that this celestial world isn't just describing a place where somehow people who got everything figured out in this life end up. And if you didn't get it figured out, well, there's a B category and a C category and a D category away from God somewhere else. That's just not what it means.
0: You know, if, if you feel, I, I really felt what you were saying. You you said something that was very uh, poignant the other day. You said, you know, do you want to know what your sins are? What do you turn to for comfort? What a great measuring stick. Well, if you want t- to be
1: honest, right? If you want to be honest and look in the mirror, I mean, you know, and, and you can, I don't even think they're extremes. You know, you take something that on this podcast, someone might think it's extreme, you know, if, you know, pornography or alcohol or whatever, you know, those are things that, can make people feel like they're, uh, they're they're things of the flesh that pull you away. All all sin. I've realized my, my own, and I, I just you know name name a couple of things um, that are are common to man. Every every sin tends to be something that's of the flesh that kind of numbs us to things of the spirit, you know. And and the spirit, and this is where this passage of Second Nephi six starts talking about. The fact that, hey, it's it's either the carnal or the spiritual. Sin tends us tends to draw us back into the carnal, the things of the flesh. And and God wants us to overcome the power of the flesh, to to find the ways of the spirit. That's what it is to be comforted in Christ. Well, so all of life is this struggle. Between the flesh and the spirit, that that's what it is in, in this world, and it's kind of like you know which one are we going to let win, the, the flesh mm-hmm. or the spirit, and so we we turn to things that draw us away, a that to to numb us from the desire we have to be with God, and and really bombard, you know, our our bodies, whether it's things we we lust after with our minds or our hearts or our eyes, or or maybe it's just you know overeating, constantly indulging. I I know you know, like when I feel bad, it's kind of like. Man, I want to have a snack. Well, I just had a snack. Well, I want another snack. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's like, and I realize, you know, it isn't that I need to eat something else. It's that I'm continually, whenever I'm feeling down, I'm looking for a fleshly antidote in the moment. And, mm-hmm. and while it, it gives me this false sense that, oh, I'm feeling good again. No, it's just delaying the consequence of the emotional or spiritual issue that I'm dealing with. Right. Mm. It's the putting it off until I go to sleep and then wake up the next day and do it again. It's no different if someone drinks alcohol or no different if someone's having, you know, relationship problems in their marriage and, and they want to turn to pornography or whatever. It's like in in your mind, you know, you, you're feeling pain. And so you, you, you want to take some, you know, drug of the flesh, so to speak. And, and there are all these things that that cause us to to put up a barrier between the real spiritual issue that's underneath it all and so Satan throws these things at us and says, "Hey, well, if you just look at this on the internet or if you just drink this or if you just eat this or if you just <laughs> if you just yell back at that person who yelled at you, you know all these things will make you feel better and in the end they don't they don't fix the problem anyhow you know they just kind of delay the uh, the consequence of the of the issue so so in the end, and, and there's a flip side of that too, you know, the the things of Satan, the tools of him that he wages against us, they don't work towards him. If he, you know, if he entices someone to talk be, about you, you know, behind your back or say something evil to your face or yell at you or curse you out, you know, cursing them out or talking about them behind their back, that, that doesn't get Satan at back, but he wants us to fall in those ways. So, so Nephi he he touches on this in a beautiful way and if if you want to go there for a little bit yeah. i really think it's do you uh, do you have a reference for that yeah so if if we want to turn there and i think this is a beautiful place to include this um it's second nephi chapter 3 starting in verse uh 30 and and through the end of the chapter this is uh, to me I don't know there's there's a lot of things to learn there's a lot of things to take comfort in this passage and and just recently it just spoke to me in a new way you know how sometimes you can read a scripture and if you've read it a few times there are certain things that sort of jump out like there's this phrase he uses later oh um don't let my soul droop in sin and well so sometimes my, I think our eyes just go into scan mode because like, oh yeah, here's the drooping sin. Here's yeah. <laughs> the water, my pillow, my my eyes, water, my pillow at night part, you know, and and these familiar little phrases, as we see these, we start just kind of jumping over scripture and then sometimes miss the meat of things. And you can read something 50 times and all of a sudden on that 51st time, there's a point in your life yep, where it just amen. connects, you know? And so here's, <clears throat> here's Nephi. And I, I know we both have a lot to say about this. It, He's he's this guy who's, you think about it, He's he's been taken up by God in the spirit to high mountains and shown visions like no one in the world has seen before. And he's had angels minister to him. He's had angels come and counsel his brothers in front of him. He's had bands burst from off his wrist that his brothers tied him up with. He had God show him how to build a boat and all these things. Things and you'd think, how could this guy never have anything but an A plus day? You know, (laughs) you know, you think about it, and and so he's he's got this history, and this is in the end of his writings, and then verse thirty one, he, well, verse thirty says, "My soul delights in the things of the Lord; my heart pondereth continually upon the things which I have seen and heard." Yeah, buddy, it's like that's all he's, you know, he's he's the guy. But verse 31, nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord and showing me his great marvelous works, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man that I am. And, you know, this isn't some false humility here. He isn't just, oh, I better say I'm wretched and unworthy. It's like, no, he he pours out his soul, and, and he explains not only his plight, but our plight. He says, yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. So he, he's getting down to where the source of the problem comes from my soul grieveth because of my infirmities i'm encompassed about because of the temptations and the sins which doth so easily beset me and so here's here's the first thing he does he's and, and again there's there's probably a lot more to glean out of this i'm i'm really just kind of right here with him right now in my own life and i'm i'm wanting to learn from nephi mm-hmm. and and he's he's seen you know, here's this guy who's been on the mountaintop with the Lord, and yet he's seeing that he's temptations are at every turn, and and he's not only surrounded by him. He says the things that easily beset him. So he's like, you know, he's saying obviously that he's falling and and he's recognizing that God's done great things, and yet he recognizes he falls into this temptation. This is the
0: this is the guy that what. He, His don't touch me or I'll shock you because you're filled with the Spirit. Yeah, this guy hasn't reached a point in his life that he can just avoid temptation. No, he says they easily beset him. Right. This and to me, Corey, this does tie into eternal life because right here is a perfect example. If this righteous spiritual giant is still easily beset by sin, then you've got to think we can't. We can't have this hierarchy of sins and place people in different places based on how righteous they were able to become. I no, mean,
1: and, 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 you know, the, the thing is too, and none of this is trying to be a justification for sin or just saying, Hey, God will beat us with a few stripes. And at last we're all saved. You know, that's, right. that's a wicked statement from the book of Mormon that says people will do that and they'll be wrong for saying that. But, but the, the real point of this is he, He realizes the source of the weakness, and he says, it's my flesh. It's the fact that, hey, my spirit's living in this body that is continually wanting to turn away. And so wretched man that I am, my heart sorrows because of my flesh. My soul is grieved because of my iniquities. I'm encompassed about by these temptations. And when I want to rejoice, verse 34 says, my heart groans because of my sins. So there's there's my life. Too, you know, where I'm realizing, hey Lord, you know, I when when I feel like we've had a close walk, or I feel like there's been some inspiration, and then I see my sins, I'm thinking, you know, what is real here? You know, and I'm I'm like wondering, was any of that real? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just this sinful person, and maybe you really don't like me anymore. You know, do you do ever you, feel that way? Oh my gosh, I've I've had
0: conversations with friends recently that are going through terrible trials, and and almost those exact words have come out of their mouths, and they 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 think. Uh, you know, was anything real? I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine Nephi? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I shocked my brother and I said, don't touch me or you'll fall down dead because I'm so full of the
1: Spirit. Right. And and, and now it's almost like in this moment he's wondering where the Spirit is because his sins are separating him from God. You know, can, same guy. Can you imagine that fall?
0: I mean, I look at my life and I, I screw up tomorrow and I'm like, well, I'm a lousy little sap anyway. <laughs> what else can I expect? But this guy, Yeah. I mean— if I had been taken to the mountain by an angel, if I had been given this interpretation and been in the presence of of the Lord, and then I'm still easily besought by sins, I would have to look at myself and just say there is no hope for me. Right. I mean, right. Right. and just wonder
1: if it's all real. Or if it's whatever. all, yeah, boy, it, it, you are
0: really speaking to my heart. And well,
1: I'm, this is only because my heart's here. If it, if it's happening, brother, but my, but what's beautiful about this is he starts describing the. The pathway out of this, and and so, so he's described a condition that I mean, for the two of us in this room, it seems to have hit the nail on the head. But I'm guessing for most of the people in the world, we fall somewhere in the middle of this. We feel like, hey, I, at times I feel like I've known God, and sometimes I can't, right. I don't know, I, He's nowhere to be found, and and it's maybe it's all on me, it's my fault. But so then what? And and so, so this is what Nephi does, and I, I love this. He's in the end of verse 34. He says. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. So, so he's bringing us back to the fact that, okay, my sin separated me. There's times when I can't seem to find God. Nothing is going right. But yet I know the one who I've trusted. He's been my support. If he was there during the miracles, he he's there during the, the silent, lonely times too, right? or he wouldn't be God. My God hath been my support. You know, it's not just my God hath been my support. It's no, my God has been my support, right? Mm-hmm. It, he's, he's the one he is there. He hath led me through mine afflictions in the wilderness. You know, it's, it's where you put the emphasis. It's not that he has led me, but he, he has he, led me. He has led me. God, God has done this. You know, it's, it's not just the Lord is my shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. You know, that's, there's a difference there. And so this is what Nephi is saying. My, my God. God is the one who did it. He's the one who led me in the afflictions. Mm. He preserved me on the waters of the great deep. He filled me with his love, even to consuming my flesh. Right. So that God was real to Nephi and He's real to us. You know, He's real to everyone listening. If he was real when you were healed, when hands were laid on you, He's real right now when when you're wondering, you know, if you're mm. gonna be able to pay the bills. So he hath confounded my enemies under the causing of them to quake before me. So, so he, he goes through and he says, hey, I've trusted in God. He remembers the times when God was there despite his sin. And he's heard my cry by day, given me knowledge, waxed bold and mighty prayer before him. Angels, you know, he's had great things that he, he talks about. But, but he says this in verse 42. Oh, then... If I have seen so great things, if the Lord in his condescension unto the children of men has visited me in so much mercy, why should my heart weep and linger, and my soul linger in the valley of sorrow, and my flesh waste away and my strength slacken because of my afflictions? So he's, you know, he's obviously trying to wrestle this out. If he's done so many great things, why do I feel down? You know, why does my heart weep, my soul linger in sorrow, and my strength slackens because of my afflictions? Well, did did you see that phrase there?
0: Remember his, in the vision, but the Lord explained to him what was the love of God, was the condescension of men. Oh, yeah, the condescension is there,
1: that word, exactly. He says,
0: if the Lord in his condescension under the children of men hath visited me in so much mercy... Oh. And then Alma's uh, talk about the tree of life is all about the Lord saying, you know, I've been merciful to you. I've been merciful. So, he, you know, Jesus hasn't come yet, but he's seen the vision. He's seen him coming down. It's been real to him, and 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 that's given him hope. I mean, you know, there, there
1: you go. You, I think that is such a good point, Mike. He's not just saying, hey, God visited me in a, in a, in a vision, and I saw this uh, vision of God coming down. No, he's looking at this whole story, and he's mm-hmm. saying, if God— capital G, in his great plan, his cho- choosing, choosing to come down and visit all humanity in this mercy. Well, he's visiting me in that mercy too, right? And it's like, hey, if he's the guy who's decided to do this and he's shown me, here's, here's Nephi, one of the great people to describe this understanding of Christ that he's now shown that many of the world in his day didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And even yet in our day, we don't comprehend fully but he's saying hey if this plan that god is going to do this to bring us back into his presence why should i feel sorrowful at all why why should why should i feel down so he's he's trying to see the big picture and i think that's lesson 1 through through the sin and through the suffering we experience despite great things we may have also experienced he brings it back to reality by saying hey listen if if god was in his plan, thinking about me and knew my name in this salvation plan, then um why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? He's saying so keep in mind the fact that God wants me to be with him again, and it is this sinful flesh that he is the savior for. So so when he continues, verse 43 and 44, he, he makes a, a couple of really interesting points. He says, Why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? Why should I give way to temptations that the evil one have place in my heart and destroy the peace and my peace and afflict my soul? And so then he asks the question. So why am I angry because of my enemy? Now this is an interesting thing. You, you know, m- many of us have conflicts in our home and our family, maybe our marriage or whatever, and and they that can cause frustration you know if someone wasn't faithful for instance you know you can feel violated you can feel you know like justified and in, in feeling frustrated and sometimes those things are, are never ending and it can cause anger and we don't even sometimes recognize it with that word but it, it riles us up to this continual round of just feeling everything Nephi is saying we're and that's, yielding to sin.
0: And Ed brought up in his podcast that that's the devil's playbook, uh, four things the devil does. Number one, he rages in your hearts and causes you to anger. Mm, and that's, that's, mm. that's the anger there.
1: Well, you know? so he asked this question, why am I angry because of my enemy? Well, I was just saying, you know, some of us have conflict in family, but... Probably few of us have ever experienced someone in our family trying to kill us. But think about this. His mm-hmm. brothers yeah. are trying to kill him, right? You know, you think about this right now. When he talks about his enemy, uh, if you jump ahead to the next chapter, it's Second Nephi chapter 4. It, it just an aside, but verse 1 says, Behold, it came past. I, Nephi, did cry much unto the Lord because of the anger of my brethren. His very family members are trying to kill him, and yet he asks this question, and you think about this. I mean, if, you're a, if you had a family member literally trying to kill you, you would probably feel, we would think, justified in being angry. But the first question he says is, why am I angry because of that? And you think about it. If there's any reason to be angry, you could probably be angry about that. But he, he recognizes mm. it for what it is. And he says, no, no matter what the situation is that's causing your frustration, let that go. Let it go. How do you do that, Corey? How do you do What do you do when your wife's ran off with another man?
0: I mean, how do you not
1: uh. Well, here's the deal. You can't you can't necessarily change that circumstance Sense, of what's right. happened. I don't right? I just picked that one, but right, it could right. be anything. It could I be mean, anything. It could be anything. And so here's the question though. He he doesn't say he doesn't say that it's easy. But he does say this. Remember, this is the conclusion of what he's saying. Hey, if God is going to bring power so that my flesh, my fleshly sins are washed away, and if his condescension was to bring us back into his presence, he's basically saying, So why am I getting angry about all these other things? In other words, he's remembering the bigger picture. And so in this moment, and, and it's, you know, like I said, yeah, that situation you described, Mike. Why wouldn't someone want to be angry? But what he realizes is this, and and this is the point. He realizes that the anger is what's leaving the door open to the rest of the temptations. And this is how he this mm, is because mm. verse forty four he says, "Why do I give way to temptation that the evil one have place in my heart, and to do what to destroy my peace and afflict my soul?" Right. So he so then he says this. Verse 46, awake my soul, no longer droop sin, rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. His do not anger again because of mine enemies. So here's, here's the thing that might be the consequence. So your, your wife runs off with someone else and you're devastated and rightfully so. But then, you know, when you want to plot and plan and, and you imagine bad things happening and, and those things, Nephi is saying, stop there. You know, if, if you think, Hey, this person's, you know, they, whatever they get to them, they deserve bad things. No, this is what separates the lusts of the flesh from the, the ways of the spirit right here is when you let anger be your motive, Right. And so for whatever that is, he's saying, he's recognizing in his own life, he's got people who want to kill him, and he's saying, okay, the first thing I have to do is not be angry about that. Mm-hmm. Because when I become angry about that, I can't change the fact. And, and and it's not like he's praying and says, God, thank you that you've vanquished my my brothers who have been trying to kill me, and they're gone now. The brothers wanting to kill him are still all around him. Mm-hmm. But he's just saying, don't let me be angry about it. And oh. because the anger is the first it's, it's the first thing that opens the door to all the other temptation. And this is what I've realized in my own life. You know, I've, I've stewed about mm. some things going on in my own, own life right now that have just caused me continual perpetual frustration, and I feel justified in feeling angry about things. I feel violated. I feel hurt. I feel whatever. And it's like I've realized, no, I'm doing the same thing. And when I say, all right, I can't change what's happened or I can't change the circumstances around me, But I can decide not to be angry about it. And that sounds kind of easy. It's like saying, well, just say no, you know? But in the end, that's where. That's what Nephi, I think, wants us to recognize. First, separate your anger from the situation. You said that, and let's just repeat that. That anger opens the door to other
0: temptations.
1: Because that's where he says, why should I give way to temptations that the evil one have placed in yeah. my heart and
0: destroy my peace? That's what you're seeking comfort in is your anger. You're exactly. seeking comfort in your anger. That's right. the point. And, and that's so why
1: Alma says, hey, let us be comforted in Christ because I want to be comforted in my anger and that and that never brings comfort it never brings satisfaction
0: so you said how do you stop doing that or how do you you know it seems like it's it's hard which i can't imagine it is hard but there is only one thing To replace that, and that's Christ, and that just seems oversimplified. But it's like the other scriptures we've read in Helaman and something, you know, just you call on Him until you can't call on Him anymore, or like when Ed said the other day, kind of off the record, stand and then stand again. You know, if if you're if you can't do anything else, just stand, stand in faith until the Lord, uh, until He reveals Himself to you. You know, and as Nephi says. I'm angry, you know, but what else am I going to do? Who right. was my strength in all of these things? My God was, his spirit was, all of these things were my strength. Where else am I going to go? Awake. Awake. Wake. You yeah. know, stop it. You you're being the veil's covered in your eyes, you know? You you're being cut off from all these amazing things. Awake. Don't droop in sin anymore. Don't seek comfort in anger. Rejoice. I mean, he's just—he's
1: reminding himself. He's reminding himself, and 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 that's all you can do sometimes, right? Recite the truth, (laughs) remind yourself. That's what he's, and that's that's ultimately exactly what he's saying. That's it. It's that he's he, the only thing he has control of, you know, he's taking 100% responsibility for the only thing he can control in the situation, and that is to choose not to be angry about it. He hasn't resolved the sin. You know, Satan hasn't gone away. His enemies haven't gone away. Mm-hmm. But he's decided that in this moment he's not going to let anger just overwhelm. And I know you haven't listened to Ed's podcast
0: yet where he was here the other day but he said the same thing he said the exact same thing about taking responsibility don't blame and and uh, taking opportunity when there's
1: opposition
0: leads to opportunity so yeah
1: Yeah. and it's not it's not easy but you know here's here's what makes it easier and it's the, the rest of what nephi says first of all he says this okay don't anger again because of my enemies so recognizing that is step one don't slacken my strength because of my afflictions. Don't say, "Hey, I'm just gonna check out for a while. You know, life's been really hard. Don't count on me f- to be a friend. Don't count on me to to serve in church. Mm. Don't count on me to to witness. Don't especially don't count on me to pray because I don't feel like praying right now. you know wow. that's that's what slackening our strength means. And you know, I say all those things because I've experienced every one of those feelings from time to time. I had a friend who said some of the once that stayed with me, and she said, when it's hardest to pray, is when you should pray your hardest. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about that. And that's that's our situation in life. And this is where Nephi's at. Don't slacken my strength because of my afflictions. When life is hard and we say, hey, that's really hard, I don't wanna do all these things. Maybe that's when we need to be doing those things the most because this is where Nephi turns it around. Remember, Satan's still there, his enemies still wanna kill him. In verse 50, what does he say? Rejoice on my heart and cry unto the Lord and say, oh Lord, I will praise thee, I will praise thee forever. He's praising God before the blessing happened. It'd be one thing if the enemies had all been, you know, untrampled under his feet and now he's praising God. You know, Moses had days like that, That's, or, but, but here he's saying, no, praise God even before it happens.
0: You know, I'm reading this book by uh, Laura story. Mm. I don't want to, I'm not going to go too far off. Cause I want you to finish this, but in that book, she, you probably know the song, you know, sometimes the blessings come through raindrops and it's, I didn't know she was an author. She's actually an author. Uh, Anyway, she was trying to figure out, can I go ahead and write another album? Can I go ahead and write a book? Because she was going through some tremendous suffering with a a brain tumor that her husband had, which had changed his whole personality. Their whole Mm -hmm. marriage now was no longer uh, what it was when they started out. And so she had to find faith. She said, "Can I do that when the blessing hasn't come yet? When the end hasn't come? What yeah. if it doesn't turn out right? Yeah. How do I find faith to continue to praise Him when the story hasn't been finished yet? Wow. And wow. it's an amazing uh, journey. So, anyway, no, no. What you just said is that yeah, He's
1: well. It. It. it I, what you just touched on, and it isn't me. It's just that I think that's the eternal truth. That's in Nephi's words here, is that He's finding out the importance of praising God, even before the blessing that he's hoping for is there. It's not like only I'm only going to praise God when it's when I can finally see the end. And I see it turns out the way I'm hoping for, he says, Oh Lord, I'll praise you forever. My soul will rejoice in Thee, my God and the rock of my salvation. Mm -hmm. And you know, and and he adds to it verse 52 will you deliver me out of the hands of my enemies will you make that i can also shake at the appearance of sin i love that it's coupled together because <laughs> he he doesn't want to turn back to sin he wants it to be so apparent to him that it would be something that you know he he immediately recognized. Talk
0: about earnestly begging. We were talking about supplication. Yeah, and we were to earnestly beg. Alma was astonished that they no longer asked to be delivered from temptation. You know, oh, they were right, not right. Well, right here, he's that's earnestly begging. Make me shudder at the appearance of sin. Wow. Make wow. Me, make me be completely fearful when I start to get angry at uh, my brothers for or at the situation.
1: My brothers want to kill me. I don't even want to go anywhere near that. You know. Wow. He's, you know, but instead, because you know maybe partly because we haven't been taught that supplication is okay, you know, earnestly begging, that it's kinda like, uh, well, this is hard, but I have my I have the things that comfort me to turn to when I'm mm-hmm. you know, I'll binge watch T V or I'll do whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like no, he's like saying, Let me let me shudder at all those things that take me away from your greatness, God, you know? And that's like that comes back to it's either the power of the flesh or it's the power of the spirit and he's showing us just a couple simple things you know here's the guy who says i glory in plainness i glory in truth he's not trying to hide this he he recognizes mm-hmm. that our anger is the first thing that we can control to let it go <clears throat> he recognizes that we need to praise god regardless of the circumstances and and regardless of the outcome and he's he's saying i'm going to praise you forever and he's asking for strength to not turn back to his sin, and so from there, I mean, it just it just it just gets better and better and better. The rest of these verses, you know, I he I, I love this uh, end of verse fifty five. Will you not shut the gates of your righteousness before me, that I may walk in the path of the low valley, that I may be strict in the plain road? I, I would just this week I was just uh, pondering those words, be strict in the plain road. I, I don't know, that the vision of that is just I don't know. It's it's something else. The things that he's asking right there, it's like may I be strict in I don't know. What does that make you see, Mike? It it's just that phrase right there. Oh, strict in the plain road. I think
0: when things get tough When things get bad, like like we're talking about right here, and and I'm visualizing friends and conversations I've had recently, we look for maybe another way around it. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, may I do the only thing that the Lord has taught me to do through my entire life. May I go to the only place that is going to really comfort me. May I not look for some new hidden meaning, may I not look for some other, you know, book of scripture or whatever, may I just be strict in the plain road and that plain road is I will go to the God who's been a comfort for me. There is nowhere else. I will not even entertain a thought of going anywhere else. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. That's that's first yep. thing. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. And 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 I think that's it. And you know it's it's one of these things where it's like I think we want the answer to be more complex or mm-hmm. or 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 we want it to come with more surety that it means that all of our problems are going to be resolved in this life. And, you know, ne- Nephi goes to his grave with all of his brothers and their children's children wanting to kill his kids and grandkids, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. so he was, but yet he he was delivered out of the hands of his enemies too. And, you know, when he concludes his writings, he said, and you know we've had wars and and with my family already, you know, and so it's like, sure, God answered those questions, but none of those outcomes. Nephi didn't wait for the outcome. It's like you you said, he's just going to learn that God is his comfort. He he's going to choose not to be angry. He's going to choose to praise God because this plan of salvation is so much bigger than the than the problems we face day to day in this world, and he's going to let that comfort him. Um, yeah
0: that if I've seen so great things, if the Lord in his condescension under the children of men, has visited me in so much mercy he mm-hmm. he's seeking that comfort in Christ that Alma was to he knows that he's he's gonna be merciful unto him because of that that's that's strict in the plain road. I don't know what any other message right, and you know right. with the, sometimes when you're trying to comfort your friends, when you're trying to comfort people going through trials. I find myself trying to look for some great wisdom yeah. or whatever. And all I can say is, be strict in the plain road. I love that phrase. That's, exactly. Be, be strict in the plain road. Be strict. Do not waver from the
1: only thing that's going to work. Right. Don't right. entertain any other thought. Right. That's, there's nowhere else to go. You know, it's interesting, too, because I was considering recently, you know, it was it was worked up to for so long in the Book of Mormon that uh, Jesus was going to come among the Nephites, right? And, and of <laughs> course, the the writers of the Book of Mormon remind us that only a hundredth or not even a hundredth of the things that happened were actually written in this book. So, yeah, lots of things done. Yeah. And we're also given to know that there were times when things were so profound they couldn't be written or uttered by man. So we get all that. So when you look at the rest of what was written that we did have of Jesus's interaction Besides the prophecy where he talks about Joseph and the Jews and the Gentiles coming back to Christ, when he's giving them instruction, it comes right back to the same beatitudes that he gave in the Bible. And and they're even simpler here in a sentence right. where he's saying, hey, not if you pray, but when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Right? So he's returned us to prayer. He, he's, he doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast, do this. And, and, and there's just a couple instructions like this. And, and the other day I was just considering that. I thought, wait, that's it? There wasn't something like, you know, this profound thing that couldn't be written that we had got a piece mm-hmm. of. It's like, no, he's coming back to praising God in sincerity. He's, he's talking about overcoming the flesh. That's through fasting, right? And, and he's, he's giving us the roadmap in those words very simply of how to do exactly what Nephi is doing here, how to not give place to the enemy of our soul, how to how to not be afflicted with temptation, and 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 that comes through controlling the emotion of of the sin, letting go of the anger, praising God, trusting Him for the outcome. It might not be any more than that. Well, brother,
0: I uh, I like where this has ended up, and you know, I know there's a song out there that speaks to this. Maybe i uh, maybe we'll end with that that song and just uh, provide a little meditation unless did you have anything more that's all good Nephi's psalm this is Nephi's psalm this is what (laughs) this is what I call it I wrote right on top of the page yeah Uh, shall we gather together next time to continue looking at the story um, that the Lord has for each one of us of eternal life and Until then, God bless.
2: I know who I trust. He has filled me with his love. And preserved my life upon the waters deep. He has heard my cries by day Give on visions in the night Send his angels down to give ministry Awake my soul, no longer droop in sin Nor give place unto the enemy. Rejoice, my heart, and cry to the Lord. I will praise thee for thy great condescension, my God. man